For a long time, I used to wait in the dining room window. I waited in the afternoon when I returned from school, and I waited on Saturday mornings. Now and then I waited at the edge of the driveway, because from there I could see farther up the hill, almost to the top. When the Buick Riviera appeared, its fender flashing a big, toothy metallic grin, I felt happiness wash over me, happiness braided together with anticipation and excitement, too, since it meant that within minutes my aunt would be pulling up to take me on one of our adventures. My aunt was the one person in the world I was always most eager to see. Sometimes she came bearing gifts, special books or treasures related to the special interests she and my uncle and I shared art and architecture, literature, and, since my aunt and uncle were screenwriters, movies, never film, that was the celluloid of which movies were made. But what I loved even more than receiving tangible things was going off with her, alone, without my younger brothers or my parents, being alone with her, with the force of her attention, the contents of her mind, and her talk, which was like an unending river emptying itself into me. Our time together was larky, you really are the best company a person could ever hope for, Mike, she said, bar none. She made me feel clever merely by being with her and listening to her, learning what she had to teach, absorbing some of her spark, her sparkle. My aunt and I went off alone together often because she and my uncle didn't have any children of their own, and they lived within minutes of our house, and because we were doubly related. There was a refrain we children learned to recite when people asked us to explain our intertwined family. Brother and sister married sister and brother. The older couple have no children, so the younger couple share theirs. The two families live within three blocks of each other up in Laurel Canyon, and the grandmothers live in an apartment together at the foot of the hill. It wasn't very poetic, but it got the facts across and made the situation seem almost normal, as summaries sometimes do. The situation was not remotely normal, but naturally I did not understand that at the time. Our relationship, my aunt said, was special. She called our two families the Larky Sevensome, or, quoting my grandmother, the Mighty Franks. But even within the larger group, she said, you and I, lovey, are a thing apart. What we have is nearly as unusual as what I have with Mama. The two of us have pulled our wagons up to a secret campsite. We know how lucky we are. We're the most fortunate people in the world to have found each other, isn't it so? Only we hadn't found each other. We had been born to each other, two into the same family. Did that make a difference? Was a bond this strong meant to grow in this soil and in this way? I was far too besotted with my aunt to ask any of these questions. My aunt was the sun, and I was her planet, held in devotional orbit by forces that felt larger than I was, larger than we were. You could call it gravity, or alchemy, or intoxication, or simply love. But what an unsimple love this was. I heard the car before I saw it. The familiar motor slowing as it approached Green Valley Road, the high-pitched squeak the wheels made as they widened into that precise turn that landed the Buick smack dab in the center of our driveway, and then the horn, whose coloration changed depending on the driver's frame of mind. The jubilant tap-tap that soon ricocheted across the canyon meant come along quick-quick, which was my aunt's preferred pace in all matters always. I flew out the front door, for a moment forgetting my ever-present academy sketch pad and pouch of pencils. Halfway down the garden path I remembered and doubled back to retrieve them from the entry hall. Outside again, something, some sense, made me glance back at the dining room window. My two younger brothers were standing and looking for me in the same place where I had been looking for my aunt. I lingered just long enough to see the confusion in their faces. 
Then I headed for the car. Once I'd settled into the front seat, but before my aunt had backed us out and on our way, I glanced again at the window where my mother had now joined my brothers. She had placed a comforting palm on each boy's shoulder. There was no confusion in her face. It was very clear. To me it said, Why just Mike? Why yet again? It was the cusp of the 1970s, and my mother had cut off all her hair, which until recently her hairdresser used to pile on top of her head like an elaborate pastry. She'd stop wearing heavy makeup, too. She'd exchange her dresses and skirts and blouses for blue jeans and T-shirts accessorized with colorful beads, and she'd begun putting strange new music on our record player, albums by Carol King and Joni Mitchell and the Mamas and the Papas, all of whom lived near where we lived in Laurel Canyon. As she cooked and cleaned and took care of my younger brothers, she sang, But you've got to make your own kind of music. Sing your own special song. Make your own kind of music, even if no...